So this morning, I'm so happy to be with you all again. Um, Well, as we see from the scripture that we're going to be in, Matthew 6, uh, verses 1 to 6, and then we're going to pop on over to 16 um, through 18. So those are kind of going to be where we're going to sit this morning. But as we see again, as I've been looking over that what we have in the previous scriptures that you all have been studying, is again, the focus on the heart. Jesus, over and over, his overall, his overall theme here, it seems in the Beatitudes, maybe you would agree, is what is the condition of our heart? Where are we in that regard? And I think that it's very hard to miss as we read Matthew here, the beginning of Matthew, that the condition of our heart is extremely important to our great God. And he wants to see a change there. He wants to see our hearts conform to be more like Jesus Christ. And what does that reflect? A great love of overwhelming love of God and of others. That's the heart of our Jesus. And that is how we bring him honor and glory, is as our heart begins to conform to be more like him, then we are his hands and feet. We are a reflection of him to the world. And that is what draws people. The grace of God, the love of God is what draws. And when we get to demonstrate that through pure hearts, then that is, brings honor and glory to our great God. So today we are going to be looking um, chapter 6, verse 1, He's and the subsequent verses. He's talking about three things there. Um, as it's all about the heart, he is going to be covering the giving of alms and prayer and fasting. And when we look at these things, sometimes we could say, well, these are things that people were doing. But as Christ always does, he's looking past the action and he's looking into the condition of the heart. And so here, what I think that... um, we were just a couple things that struck me as I'm reading the scripture here that we were um, going over is that first he starts in verse one with a beware, right? Uh, what do some of your versions say? Does everybody say beware? Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Take heed. Take heed. Um, danger is coming. Isn't that what a beware is for us? Look. Be on the lookout. There could be something really bad happening here. And so he is giving us a warning. He is giving um, for our hearts as we as we get into this. That is what we will see is that is what God is doing, that there's could be danger ahead. And this happens that we'll find when we lose our perspective, when we take our eyes off of God, off of Jesus Christ, when we take our eyes off the promises of God and the truth of what he gives us here, that's when our danger comes and we, um, we can enter that slippery slope of pride, the hard-heartedness. And so he's covering here. Another thing that I noticed when I was uh, preparing in verses 2 and 3 and 5 and 6 
and 16 and 17. He says, when you give alms, when you pray, when you fast, not if. This is something that God, that Jesus is seeing, that those who love and are devoted to God, these are outpourings of their life. These are things that they are doing. These are things that he assumes that one who is devoted to Christ is involved in, on a, a, just in their life. And I just thought that is so important for us to, to realize is that he, the alms, the prayer, the fasting, there are other things, of course, this is where we are sitting today, um, but they are to be an outpouring of our heart. They are to be something that is involved, that we are doing as believers in Christ. And so let's jump in and see what he is teaching us about these things. So he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father who is in heaven. Be on your guard. Be aware, danger comes when we practice our righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Danger, danger. When we do that. Otherwise, if we, if we do that, we have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Ladies, through all through these three, we're going to talk, we're going to see that God is a rewarder. And Jesus gives that great, he puts that up there, like, this is something for you. This is something that I want you to know about your God and Father. This is something that I want to have bring you hope. This is something that I want you to use to, to motivate you to not to practice these things. So I think that sometimes, personally, I should say, um, I think, God doesn't need to reward me. It's very humbling when I think of that. And even as I read through this, and I saw how God, that, that you, that he wants to reward us over and over. He said it many times, didn't he, in here? And I just thought, Lord, I, I don't deserve your reward. But yet Christ is holding it up to those that love him and follow him as this is one of the prizes. This is part of your hope. I want you to, to grasp this very thing. So I think it's important for us to do that. If Jesus gives it high, high regard, shouldn't we as well to, to be gleaning for that and aiming for that? So here he is. Give alms, giving alms. I just wanted to uh, define that and make sure we knew what that was. Um, I thought alms rhymes with palms. Is it some kind of plant that they're giving? Or, you know, I don't know. As I was just looking at it. Uh, but what it is, is it's, they're giving to the poor, giving to the needy. It could be food. It could be money. It could be clothes. It's whatever that is. Their, their hearts are to be looking out for those in need. 
And that's what the Lord is saying here. When therefore you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be honored by men. Like in verse 1, that they may be noticed by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you, so this is part of your life. So when you do this, when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing, that your alms may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will repay you or will reward you. The generous and compassionate heart, one that sees others as God sees them, one that is humbled by all that God has given and praises him for it, cannot help but look around and give to those in need. The opposite of what is being said here. I thought it was interesting as I read a little bit about this um, sounding the trumpet uh, in the synagogues and the streets. I'm like, what is that? They made a parade or what were they doing? But oftentimes what they would do is they used that as... um, I don't want to say it as as an excuse, although when you read it in this context could be, to call the poor together, to say, come on, come on, we're we're going to be giving to you now. So they might, like in the streets or in the synagogues, this would be a time when they would blow the trumpet so that the poor would come so that they could be seen giving to them. And in the streets could be as their houses. They might, he might, they might have a special gift where they would call the poor to come to where they, they are living or where they are, and they would give to them so that all could see how generous they were. And as I thought of that, I thought, we need to beware of the heart that is proud. The proud heart has an abundance to give. And they can look to those in need as more of a means to an end, to make the giver look good, look noble, look generous, look righteous. But Jesus says, don't even let your left hand know what your right is doing. In other words, don't parade your efforts around what you do, what you give to the poor. Don't let that be known. It's not for us to parade around, to give us praise. What is the, what, what is one of the great joys? What is one of the great callings of our life as a believer? It's to give glory to God. Heaven forbid that I should receive glory. Who who am I? to receive that glory, to want the glory of men, to want people to look at me and to say, you're so great. Look at what you're doing. All that glory should be going to God, ladies. Our hearts turned that way. And I was just thinking of that as when people make a show of what they are giving. Does that demonstrate dignity to the one who is receiving? We can strip dignity from people when we give with an attitude of pride or of um, 
well, I deserve this, and this is what I've got, and so I'll give us, of course, a little something to you. Ladies, our hearts here. We want to give dignity. We want to give grace. We want to give encouragement to those in need. We want to do it out of love for God. We want it to be that it is so much a part of us that it just overflows out. That we don't even know. It's almost like we're not even making a conscious choice. That it's just Christ in us overflowing. Sherry, I was wondering if you would read that verse for me in Matthew 25, 34 to 40. And I just, I just want us to listen to this just from this um, perspective. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave, something, gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you some, something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When, when did we see you sick and in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of, my, of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Lord, when did we see you? When, when did we see you? When did we give these things to you? It was such a part of their life to give to those in need that it wasn't something that was so much in the forefront for, um, for repayment, but it just flowed. Lord, when? They weren't thinking of the million times that they did it. And I just think that that um, is a beautiful way for us to live. How great that the Lord would want us to live that way. And not only that, that your alms may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will repay you, will reward you, For giving back what he has already given us? It seems too much. Our hearts, I pray that our hearts would just become more grateful as we look at what God has given here. Prayer. And when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray. We're not to stand as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will repay you. Prayer, again, Jesus is speaking like this is a given is to be a part of our life that we cultivate and that happens all the time. 
This is private prayer he is talking about that he wants for those who love him and follow him. This is prayer just between you and God alone. Not to look good or throw out a prayer or a promise to pray for others. So that others might see you and think, oh, she's so devout. She's always offering to pray. She's always telling people, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you. And this is between you and God. Do we follow up? Do we pray? Are we women who go and close our doors? And have time with just us and God. Because God wants that real closed up in a room with him alone prayer. Not just the minimum to get by prayer. Here's the thing as I was studying this, ladies. I don't want to live just to get by Life is too short and too hard to just get by while others think that we are so prayerful and close to God. God is calling us to real, one-on-one, door-closed time with him. And what does he say? And your father who sees in secret will repay you, will reward you for that time with him. And I was thinking, I read in a part of a commentary as I study, I loved this part in that he um, brought out this little point that God does not repay us like an employer who counts our exact hours and make sure that he gives us just that exact amount. This is our Father who lavishes us, who dumps buckets and buckets of blessing upon us. He is exceedingly and abundantly does more than we can even think or imagine. And we, I believe, are so far, so far from realizing all of the millions and millions and kajillion ways that our great Father blesses us and repays us and rewards us. What do we miss, ladies? What does my wandering, erring, fickle heart and soul miss? Because I don't go close the door and pray with him and meet with him. I think I miss knowing. I miss knowing. I miss the affirmation to my soul that he sees me in secret. I miss the affirmation to my soul that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. I miss knowing that he sees, that the God of the universe sees me 
that he knows me, that he loves me, and that, ladies, those are the things that quell any desire in our heart for the seeing and approval of men. That the God of the universe sees us. And he is a rewarder of those who seek him. What great hope for us. What great joy for us. So let's not settle for getting by. When we have a God and a Father who sees and repays. As I read this over um, the Psalm Um, 139 verses 5 and 6 just keep coming back to me over and over and it says the Lord goes before and behind and he has his hand upon you such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is too high I cannot attain it it is like too much I can't even comprehend and when I read these verses and when I see that my father who sees me and he is a rewarder and he seeks to repay and bless me, I just kept thinking, it is too much. It is too high. I cannot attain it. I cannot even comprehend it. Let's not get by. Let's not let our hearts so grasp and hold on to the praise of men that we miss our Father who is looking at us in secret, seeking to repay us. Hebrews 11.6. I'm just going to pop over there and I'll just read this for you. It says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And, listen to this, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It's so important part of our faith that we believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It is great joy that he rewards us. It is a great hope that we have, that we strive for. And do you know in the last days, do you know when we stand before him and we have our rewards and we have our crowns, do you know what we're going to do with them? We're going to lay them at the feet of Jesus. We're going to lay them at his feet. All that we, all the reward that we have, we're going to give them right back to him as it should be. What a beautiful truth and promise we have for our life. How good is our great God? Verses 16 to 18. And whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. They are paid up. That's it. That's all they're getting. There is nothing to come. There is nothing they have to hope for. They have not brought glory to God. They have brought glory to themselves, and it is done. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Fasting, to abstain from something, often, most often associated with food, 
for a period of time to increase our awareness of and our dependence on God. Um, in the fasting, often what I have found when uh, sometimes you, I fast for a specific person, I have in the past, and as my stomach growls and as I'm hungry, I pray for them. And I pray for God's blessing upon them. And I found that when I started, like at the beginning of the day, and I would be hungry, and my mind was kind of um, taken back and forth with, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I need to pray. What am I going to pray? I don't know. I'm praying that the Lord heals them or that specific thing. But I found that as time went on, my prayers, uh, the Lord opened my eyes to more. How, how more he would like this person to be prayed for. And, and I remember praying for their heart. And I remember praying that they would see the Lord in a new way. And I read all these things that I hadn't thought of at the beginning because I was starting with just this one request. And I just think, Lord, that just drew me deeper into relationship with him because I was listening so much more closely. And again, done without fanfare. But it's to deepen our, our relationship with God, not to draw praise and affirmation of man for ourselves. After all we know and learn about him, how could we want any accolades for ourselves? All for him, only him, all glory to him alone. I heard a story just last week from a gal, because I was thinking of this, and I'm like, okay, we don't have a specific time, uh, I mean, aside from our offering, but they would have like alms boxes, like right when you walked in the synagogue, where you could put your offering in and everyone would see you. Or what about praying? We don't, I, I haven't seen praying on the street corner often, or um, just people in the middle of the mall stopping and breaking into prayer. And, but, but how do we do that here in our little churches? Think about that. Just think about that for you. Or fasting, letting someone know what we're doing so that we look good here. We come to church every Tuesday, right? Every Sunday. We, have a, we try to have a great attitude or put on that happy face and God is good all the time. We know the words. We know the right words to say, don't we? Oh, he's a blessing. He's so good all the time. And those things are all true. But I heard from a friend who was talking about her grandfather and when he moved to a new neighborhood, he noticed that his neighbors would all get up on Sunday morning and go to church, and he was not a churchgoer. So he began to feel kind of badly. This is a true story. And so he started getting up on Sunday morning and getting all dressed up. And then as his neighbors were leaving, he would leave too. And he would go to his son's house for breakfast and to hang out with the kids. Because he wanted his neighbors to think, that he was going to church. 
And I first heard that, and we kind of all laughed, and oh my goodness, the length people would go. And then I thought, how do we dress up? Walk out into our cars so that people see where we're going. So that they think, they go to church. They go to Bible study. They do this. They do that. And I thought, where, where do we dress up and get in our cars before other people? And I don't necessarily mean dress up. I think you know that. But where is it that we hope other people see us being Christian? I'm not going to ask you to answer now. I'm just going to ask you to think about that. Because I have been thinking about that. Jesus warned against pious appearances and emphasizes how it's all about how it is between you and God. And again, he who sees in secret will repay us. For what? For us giving to the needy. For us taking the time and effort to meet with the Lord alone in prayer. To buffet our bodies in fasting that we may deepen our relationship with him, that that we may widen our perspective, that he may give us his eyes to see. And in doing those things with a heart that is for him, he will repay us. It's mind-blowing. It's incredibly humbling every time I think about it. How can I do anything else? After I read this and I hear about our great God, how can I do anything else? After hearing the sermon this week, just that little verse, and you're going to um, be studying it just uh, next week or the, or the next week, in the next two weeks, and I'm just going to say a teeny tiny little bit about it. Not a lot. I'm just going to a teeny tiny little bit. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? And our pastor, uh, Jeff, was talking about that. And he said, sometimes we look at it in reverse, where we think, we're, we're kind of like, where is our heart? And then looking to see where our treasure is. But he was saying, what if we start to put our treasure where we want our heart to be? Start putting our treasure, our time, our effort, our money in the things of God, the things that have the heart of God, the things that God loves. If we put our treasure there, our heart will follow. Our heart follows our treasure. And I was thinking about that in relation to these verses. And I thought, Lord, may I put my time and my effort and my money and my gifts into giving to the needy. May I put my time and my effort and my heart into praying in a closed room with just you and me. May I put my time and my effort, all my subjection of of my desires, 
into fasting that I may deepen my relationship with you. Lord, may I put all my treasure there and may my heart follow after. I want my heart to follow and settle there with him, for him, to know him, to love him, to be like him and live for him, for his glory, for out of the overflow of our hearts, right? How could we help ourselves from giving, from praying, from fasting, if we bask and revel and even drown in his great love and salvation and goodness to us in Jesus Christ? We would have eyes only for him and his great name and his glory. May it be with us, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you.